marketing is a science experiment. It's a mix between science and art. So we're always testing what works because like you said earlier, everything's kind of always changing and moving. Is is your interest still in that? Here, here's a popular interest in your demographic. Is this going to tempt you and like it? No? Okay, we'll try it again later or try something else. So it's always kind of tinkering and throwing a, a random test kind of every once in a while to see hey, we think you might like this, do you? You know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry have spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face. Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. It's always fun, isn't it? Doing the Best air intro music ever. <laughs> you did a good job picking it out with you. That was, that was a bizarre time when we were picking that out, yeah. wasn't it? Like It was like late 2020, nobody knew what was going on. We were launching a podcast, trying to make Earth better, and it was stressful. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. Uh, with us today is Kevin Berry. Kevin is our marketing guy. He's not just the marketing guy for WTTA, but he's the marketing guy for Zephyr Wellness as well. And uh, Kevin and I go way back. We played baseball together uh, many moons ago, back when we were um, flexible and spry (laughs) so he's going to talk to us a little bit today about uh marketing but also social media and uh all sorts of things algorithms introduce yourself though talk about your company and all that yeah i'm not much for uh big bios but kevin berry i have a small marketing agency marketing stable um do a little bit of everything for small businesses do websites logo design uh, social media digital advertising um, even design of kind of normal print ads, but uh, today we're talking about social media and uh, that big topic. I want you to break down some of those phrases, though, for everybody, because they, um, I think they get confused a lot of times. I know I didn't know much when I first came into this. When when, when we reconnected, like we've always been friends and talked and stuff from time to time, but um, when we reconnected officially in, I don't know, 2019-ish, um, we were talking about a whole bunch of different things and different topics and different purposes and whatnot. And even though I, my, my undergrad is in public relations, which I define as the like free exposure and you can't really quantify it. Then there's like marketing, which is like your, you know, when you like brand something, I think, (laughs) and then there's like advertising where you pay to send something to someone's house and like, you know, it's a coupon or something, but I, I still can't really delineate some of those terms that you just used. So please share what that means and why they're important and why someone would hire you. <laughs> to me, I loop them all under the marketing umbrella. You have branding, which is logo design, uh, your brand colors, um, what your brand stands for, <clears throat> all of those things. Um, advertise, yes, is usually paid efforts to distribute your message or content out there. Um, social media 
is kind of taken the PR, they call it content marketing, where it's free marketing, where you're educating your audience about what you do and providing value to them. And then they in turn trust you as a brand and come to you uh, for services when they're in the market for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think even marketers don't know the exact lines of branding, advertising. Um, the one thing I'd say is it's it's not sales. Um, sales is kind of forced and pushy and jumps into your email box or uh, yeah. unwanted. And uh, it's not that. It's a long-term investment. It takes a little bit of time to kind of build your credibility and uh, brand awareness and all of those things. Yeah, just for the listening audience, you may wonder, why are we talking about the marketing guy? Well, a lot of it has to do with mental health, and then there's a crossover in the communities of firearms culture, which includes the big boy, you know, brands, the manufacturers, the the retailers, um, you know, the, all the way down to well, wholesalers, all the way down to the individuals who consume those products, but then they themselves have brands also. Uh, that would be your instructors, your local shops, retail stores ranges um and then us you know we're, we're included in that and then there's a crossover right and we'll talk i, I definitely want to get into the effects of marketing um but i want to hover here for a second and explore a little bit of like how hard it is these days because everything's always changing right and it's it's very i don't know if nebulous is the right word because a nebula you know does shift a lot but it's almost i'm envisioning it more like a fog it's like it's like there's this fog and it all kind of falls under the umbrella of marketing and you just go, whew. you know, it's like some market force blows into the fog and all of a sudden it's like the thing you thought worked yesterday doesn't work today. And that's been a real frustration for you, I know for sure, but you know, for us broadly who use those services, we're like, what's the algorithm doing today? And um, so, you know, explain a little bit about that too, if you would. Yeah, it's hard because marketing... The core principles have always been around, and um, one of my pet peeves is when some of my fellow professionals will throw in some fancy buzzword, and it's really some core marketing principle that's been around forever, but they're just trying to make it their own and make a profit off of that. Um, but yeah, the platforms are always changing on how we distribute our marketing content. You mentioned the algorithms. The algorithms are changing who knows monthly weekly um they're always being tinkered by the social media platforms and each social media platform has multiple algorithms um an algorithm to kind of start from scratch and a baseline yeah. <laughs> is how um a social media platform design collects kind of information about yourself and decides what content to deliver to you um so it does that by what are Don you Cheadle. looking? What's that? Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. <laughs> Algae rhythm. Yeah. It does that by collecting information on what are you watching? Are you looking at the video for five, ten seconds that's shown to you, or do you just scroll quickly past it? Are you liking um, or commenting on a post? So it's building kind of a portfolio of your interest and what you're likely to engage with. And why does a platform want to do that? Because... Unfortunately, in today's world, the social media platforms are paid for by the advertisers like myself, not the users. So the social media platform's end goal is to keep you on platform or to have you come on back on platform and keep you there 
and it's going to show you the content you most engage with most. And that's kind of where we're going with this conversation of marketing and all of that at Broadly isn't really maybe the best fit for uh, this audience, but the algorithms, the effects on mental health is, is a perfect fit. There was a time when, uh, before I got involved in Twitter, which is just in the last, I don't know, two years, I've had my account forever, but in the last couple of years, I've really gotten involved in Twitter. And when you and I had this conversation a while ago, I know I started paying attention to my Google news feed because I have an Android phone and, and it's, you know, it's Google driven. It's a, it's a pixel. And so if you, if you on your home screen, you just like swipe to the, to the right, to the right from the left. I still don't know what swipe right <laughs> from the left. Is it from or to, um, it, it'll pop up the Google news feed and it was full of a bunch of stuff, uh, where I was like, how does it know? And then we talked and you explained this to me and I said, oh, okay. But then you can modify that by saying, I don't like this. I do like this. And every time you click something, it learns, right? So if it, I, I started out to purposely craft my newsfeed to see if I can, if I could tweak the algorithm and I succeeded. And, uh, I wanted, I didn't want politics. I didn't want, um, I didn't want any sports, which was interesting. Cause I, I like, I paid enough attention to sports elsewhere. I wanted to see, I wanted to grab some really obscure things. So I went with space and like kind of like space science, astronomy and, and uh, so forth. And I went with um, geography. And so I purposely did, and animals, like an, like uh, like wild animals, like um, that kind of stuff. So nature focused. And lo and behold, it worked. But then every once in a while, it would tease me with something. It was like, hey, look at this celebrity thing going on in Hollywood. And I'm like, nope, definitely not. No, I, I would keep <laughs> voting those down, but it would keep shoving them in my feed. Why? Marketing is a science experiment. It's a mix between science and art. So we're always testing what works because like you said earlier, everything's kind of always changing and moving. Is is your interest still in that? Mm -hmm. Here's a popular interest in your demographic. Is this going to tempt you and like it? No? Okay, we'll try it again later. Try something else. So it's always kind of tinkering and throwing a a random test kind of every once in a while to see, hey, we think you might like this. Do you? Yeah, but it never actually permanently stays there. Not if you don't engage. Right. So if it, if you if you kind of dive in and like or watch the video that it thinks you might enjoy that isn't in your kind of main feed that you've created, oh, Jake liked that. We're gonna show him another video. Is this? Oh, now it becomes part of your feed. Mike wants to jump in real quick, but I want to um, like make sure that I'm tracking correctly. When Pandora created its uh, music genome project, that was essentially an algorithm, right? The thumbs up and the thumbs down on the tracks. And if you don't do anything, it's just going to keep throwing stuff in there. That's why like on your country station, you might randomly have like Michael Jackson show up. It's like, well, we didn't know. (laughs) We're waiting for for you to give us feedback. Exactly. And and it's going to be like, okay, country is what you're looking for. What kind of age or what timeline okay older country modern oh modern country okay we'll do more here is it more big name artists lesser kind of deep dives yeah yeah so kevin i have a question we all been there where we talk amongst each other in a room and we say something and then all of a sudden on your (laughs) social media you're getting an ad for it (laughs) like what is that Oh boy. Uh, I knew we I knew we'd get into this uh, eventually. Uh, so what I try to do when speaking on this topic in podcast is try to draw a line of what we know and what we kind of can assume. 
um, Facebook has gotten into some trouble and some things that they know, like there's the Facebook pixel, which goes into a website and it knows visitors and then it can then target people for ads. Um, and then there's interest of like, I was looking at a new truck and I already have ads from multiple brands and that's kind of the, how does it work? Cause all right, if I go to Ford website, all right, the Facebook pixel fix that up, but how does Chevy and all of that know, um, but what they found is just having the Facebook app and everything so interconnected, it knows, hey, this person's actively searching for X or it's probably an image at this point. It's probably not even linked to the URL, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I searched it out in Google, so it knows that I'm actively searching. But yeah, yeah, that would also um, be... It's like what, what, I, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like what images are coming across your feed. Just so like other competitors' scan. trucks. Right, here's exactly. our offer. Exactly. Yep. They know I'm potentially in the market, and hey, here's what we have to offer. Um, and, and, to, and we know Amazon sells its stuff, because you search on something on Amazon, if your accounts are linked, the next thing that's showing up on your Google feed is that product, right? In the Or in the article that you clicked on in the New York Times or whatever, it's like got the embed, and you're like, how does it know that I was looking for Wildcraft stuff? It's like, well, because Amazon sold to the... That's, yeah, that's kind of in the unknown category too, but having the Facebook app gives it access to your activity, not on the app. I don't a have lot Facebook. Of, huh? I don't have a Facebook app though. That's the creepy thing. Like it's like I'm stripped down. It's Twitter, Instagram, which I guess is Facebook, mm -hmm. um, Amazon. That's basically all I go to. Yeah. No, they're definitely selling data and who's the biggest culprit? That's the kind of unknown that bail hasn't been lifted of hey here's what but going. what about the microphone like mike was talking about yes that that is a thing of um you can actually download your data on social medias and google um and it will show some of the voice recordings that are picked up um from oh. alexa and different stuff like that so you'll notice the creepy device uh, the light will light up when you're talking but not even talking to alexa say and it 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 is listening. How much are they using? That's into the unknown and all of that as well. The weirdest thing, the weirdest experience I had with that was, um, I, I don't hunt except when asked. Right. Um, and I had a, I had a lunch at beefies. We all love beefies. <laughs> and, uh, I had lunch with a buddy and we were talking about his hunting trip. And I said the phrase, um, upland game, which does not come out of my mouth ever. And sure enough, on my newsfeed, upland game articles started showing up from three months ago, two weeks ago. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I never typed it anywhere. I never searched. I never scrolled. I didn't go to the Nevada Division of Wildlife website. Upland game popped up on my, I was like, this is ridiculous. And, and, and my mic is shut off. I don't have the, the, the voice recognition. I don't use it. I'm old school, first of all, but I'm also suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting five, ten years down the road if that veil of what they're actually doing and collecting um, comes into kind of transparency of what were we right on, what were we wrong but close on. Yeah. And, um, and to whom it gets sold, too, right? Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's funny because everybody in the gun industry is so, like, we have to, you know, stay anonymous and I don't want anybody tracking me and all this stuff. And everyone in the gun industry is literally on all platforms <laughs> with, <Yeah. laughs> with, with their smartwatch. That's calibrating their, their health vitals. And <laughs> yeah. So 
privacy is an illusion. Can we can we agree on that? Like it doesn't matter how many duck ducks you go or or ducks you ducked along the going. Yeah, I mean, my opinion on cybersecurity is if the right person wants to get something, they're gonna get it. Unfortunately, in today's world, um, obviously being a low-profile small fish in a giant ocean really helps. But um, I mean, we see huge corporations and big-time companies get hacked and a lot of data leaks and all of that. So if if we're wanting to, whoops, it's good audio when you just make noises with the pens. Um, so if we're wanting to avoid mistakes, hacking, um, you know, I work in the healthcare realms, you know, HIPAA compliance, it's a two A's, one P, by the way. Uh, HIPAA compliance is a big deal. The best we can do is the best we can do. It, there is no such thing as foolproof. And if you want to avoid litigation and losing your license, you want to be able to articulate what you did to prevent it, not that you can prevent it. Exactly. That's a terrible way to live. But, um, you know, some I think some of the Luddites in our profession would say, file cabinet. It's like, yeah, there's a way into that, too. So, like, I guess across time, if somebody wanted to access something, they could. It's just easier now to get things in bulk because they're all housed in one location. And there's always a way to, you know, around the lock if you don't have the key. Mm-hmm. But, oh, I, I don't know. that It's it's weird for us. This is the first time having somebody in studio for, like, a, a year. <laughs> so I'm, like, constantly checking the screen to see if Mike's... No, I'll just, just cut in. Don't uh, worry. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. All right, so let's shift gears into some of this uh, addictive algorithm, you know, tunnel vision kind of thing going on. So you've described pretty well what an algorithm does it, it, it learns from you is can we call this ai i would say not quite yet it's c- close algorithms are still designed by uh humans of what kind of how it's weighted so it's designed and then the algorithms kind of go out and execute based off the human um input so my view is of ai is kind of artificial intelligence taking place of that human um, and just kind of doing it itself. It acts some... on its own Correct. without command. Okay. So if the algorithm, I just want to bird walk this for a second. If the algorithm on, say, Twitter that's pulling from all the people I interact with and forcing them into my feed um, decides without being told by a human programmer that I need some other exposure, that would be artificial intelligence. I think that's another gray line of where where... Um, we're kind of walking into with AI. AI has definitely given guidelines of here's your job and execute it with human-like intelligence. Mm. Now, are those algorithms to that capability yet? Who knows? They're, they're getting closer. Yeah. So anyway, we've got this feed cultivated. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a news feed or your followers feed or whatever it is, uh, but it's cultivated to you and it knows your likes and YouTube was accused of this, uh, I don't know if they still are because I don't follow this stuff like you might, um, where it, it takes you on a path that could be sinister, right? It's it, like it makes conclusionary leaps and then things can get very dark, they can get very serious, they could get very narrow. And if you're a, an adult watching this, all you know is, what you're, I'm now explaining a little bit of neurology. Your, your, your brain is saying, oh, I like this. This is me. This is comfortable. This is home. If you're a child, it does the same thing. But adults are supposed to know the difference between what's good for them, 
how to limit themselves and children do not. So as these algorithms continue to feed you what you think you want, we, we flirt with echo chambers, right? And then it becomes addictive because we're constantly getting that fix. It's like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine, adrenaline, and, and you can't get out of it. Let's, let's take a sidestep back. Um, think of it like you're going to a buffet and the algorithms are going to give you food that it thinks a majority of people really like. So here's a cheeseburger, here's a pizza pizza, here's pasta. Are those the healthiest choices for you? No, but majority of people like it. So TikTok's a great example because it's kind of young and the algorithms are trying to broadcast a lot of content out to people. So here's a pretty girl, here's an attractive guy, the kind of normal uh, top, uh, I guess, addictive or appealing content for the masses and then it, it kind of hones in from there. So if you're engaging or watching those videos for a long period of time, it's going to show you more of that. So then your diet becomes junk food and you don't even make it to the salad bar. You ignore the pasta because you don't like pasta. You stick on pizza and cheeseburgers and then it's like, it'll offer you a cheeseburger with lettuce. And if you don't take that, it'll cheeseburger, lettuce, and tomato. Cheeseburger, tomato without the lettuce. Pizza, pepperoni? No. Like, it just refines and refines and refines. And the more time you spend on it, the more content you see, the more refined it'll get. Exactly. Yeah, and the, the last podcast on Naga Notes, we kind of talked about how to create a healthy feed of you have to almost step out of it's giving you these junk food options that are so easy to just take and like and engage with. You got to knowingly go, no, I don't want more of this. I want nice scenery, a travel content and actively engage with content that is healthier for you. It's amazing to me. And I want to ask you guys if, if you have this experience. I don't have the gratuitous, flashy women in bikinis anywhere on my profile. Like, anywhere. Um, I had one bodybuilder friend who I've known for 20 years. And so some of her and her husband's pictures could look like that, right? But still today, if I click on the search icon, what, what shows up is, it's amazing. It has nothing to do with my feed. Nothing to do with my feed, um, but it's it's bikini-clad women, um, dudes who are super swole, and a lot, a lot, a lot of baseball. Which I don't follow a lot of baseball on Instagram. I love baseball, but it's not it's not part of my channel. It's just not. I mean, it's just not. Austin Byler's on there. That's about it. A um, couple of teammates, but they don't post baseball stuff. I can't figure that out. I think your Instagram, you haven't been as active, so it's trying to relearn and rebring you back in with kind of common things. Bikini-clad women get a lot of people's attention, and that brings them back into the platform and um, down those kind of dark circle or spirals yeah. that you talk about. Um, but, yeah, who But knows? for what purpose? Like, who, who benefits from that? I just scroll past him. But I know that in scrolling past it, it's like it's like a neutral, right? It's not a yes or a no, so it's going to keep showing it. Yeah, I think and it's been years. knowing your Instagram behavior and how long you're on it, you're a bad example because you're so this infrequent. this has been for years. I mean, this has been going four or five years now. I can't. It's pulling something, something. loosely, and that that's a, a lot into it. I don't think these platforms are so malicious and trying bad. They've just 
maybe had bad experience. A prime example is on Facebook, uh, you know how there's the option to like, and then they added love, whatever, all the different emojis. <laughs> so in 2017, they added that, and they thought, um, oh, these will kind of enhance the thing. We're going to give five points in the algorithm for every one point of a like. Mm-hmm. Well, what emoji was also in those new rollouts? The angry face of what pissed somebody off. So Facebook essentially just gave something that people are giving angry faces to five times the weight of something they're like. So they're going to show people. That's (laughs) how they got in trouble. That that was just one misstep. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. He's not buttoned in. Well, I mean, this is not, <laughs> you're staying listen, out of this. <laughs> yo, Kevin, this is fascinating. I, I'm curious to see how this works. I mean, I've given up on social media pretty much uh, personally, you know, just because it just was a super time bandit. And then I found myself arguing and fighting with people that say outlandish things that have the grasp of a three-year-old's handshake on whatever the situations we're talking about. So, um you know, it's just fascinating to hear this and see how see how it works. You know, because I don't usually think about it this deep. Um, so, you know, I love it. Keep time. Time bandit is a good phrase, but but you got uh, teenage daughters though, and and I'm I'm curious what your experience has been with them and their social media use. I don't know if it's typical or not. You know, with with my daughters. they're 14 and 16 years old they look like they're 25 you know so there's always that kind of worry there um i've been i've made it a point to always talk to them about social media and and the harm that you know i started early i was showing them examples of nightmare things that could happen um the the issue i guess with social media and children is how do you monitor your kids if you give them a smartphone, right? Like the best way to keep them away from bad things on social media is to not give them a smartphone. <laughs> but as they get older, you know, it just becomes the norm. Um, so I communicated with them a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's so many different social media platforms that they could go to that I'm not on and I can't, I can't monitor that all the time. So for me, it was a matter of just, you know, being upfront with them, talking to them, um, trying to, you know, make them understand that this is a this is a place where it could be dangerous, and talk about these things that we're talking about, like how it affects your mental health and what it does. So, you know, you know, Jer- Jeremy Ellsmore, who's uh, one of the Zephyr employees, is an intern of mine. He's a school counselor in Fernley. Um, he and I do a presentation on social media and app, uh, you know, mobile device app safety, and. Part of the presentation is to shock parents out of their their kind of their lull, their their complacency of thinking the parental controls work, um, because they, they don't. Uh, they can be gotten around. VPNs can can get around things. Um, but then the other half is to encourage communication. You know, I'm a, I'm a family therapist. Like this is what we do. We do we teach parents to communicate with their kids and create an environment in the home that's warm and safe and conducive to conversation so that they don't have to go chase the alternatives, right? So kids are always going to have friends. That's fine. They're always going to get out of the home and talk to somebody who's not mom and dad. We understand that. We don't want to become their sole source of um, sustenance or nourish social nourishment. And device-driven social interaction is so much easier than actually doing things with your friends down at the fill-in-the-blank place right um so it's it's become low-hanging fruit 
that gives the same neurological effect as being in person. And they don't know any different because they haven't experienced different. Now we've spent the last two years isolated, which is even worse. And it's compelled everybody into these devices. The interesting angle here is that, Mike, you bring up like monitoring them, right? Which sort of smells like I want to control it, right? If we can. And the whole mission of Walk the Talk America is education over restriction. And if we really believe that to our core, then we would take that into our homes too and teach our children well, to quote Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, um, so that they that we don't have to have the false sense of control over them because we can't control it. We can't monitor everything. You just said that. It's true. Um, you can't be on every app. And even if you could, what good would it do? It would wear you out, you know, at bare minimum. So what we want to do is we want to educate. We want to teach them what these risks are. We want to teach them what the benefits are. We don't want to demonize it because when we demonize things, we make them taboo. And taboo just piques curiosity and it makes people want to go do more of the thing we don't want them to do. So it, I believe, I'm a big believer in transparency. I'm a big believer in autonomy. You guys know that. Um, but I think the same principles apply. Education over restriction. Restriction is futility. So we teach people and then we go trust them. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested how it goes as we have restrictions on highly addictive substances and social media is one and we yes, have no re restrictions on it. I'm not saying that's the answer, but um, we're so far not even talking or educating um, about this topic and not really giving it the time it needs. We're seeing kind of evidence of all the damage. Instagram's known for to be incredibly damaging for especially young females seeing um, models or even actresses that the image isn't real. It's heavily edited mm -hmm. and the body that they're looking up to and trying to achieve isn't achievable. Um, and you have so many things like that out there. Um, I don't know, Jake, what, where would you compare it to addictive substances? You, you work with a lot of them. You know, the, the person who would be best to answer this in my realm, in my circle is Paul Snyder. Paul has a a little hierarchy of numbers and I'm going to screw it up. But basically, uh, if you, if you ascribe a, a, a dopamine value to an item or an activity, um, we look at something like uh, cheeseburger is a 12 and sex is a 38 and methamphetamine is a hundred. You, you don't have to work as hard for the methamphetamine. Uh, so you're going to go to that and it gives you a much better reward. Um, Social media is probably somewhere, probably somewhere above sex, honestly, because it's it's instantly gratifying, it's customizable, and there's no effort. So, why do people continue to choose destructive um, behaviors over productive ones? Well, the productive ones take work, and they're less rewarding. So, you know, if I compare cheeseburger to pizza, and then my and my dopamine, you know, satisfaction level. Pizza is a 17 and cheeseburgers a 12 or whatever I said it is. I'm going to go to the pizza, all things being equal. Now, if I have to make the pizza versus being served the cheeseburger, I'm going to go to the cheeseburger because there's a there's a, a plus minus, you know, value in effort expended as well. Um, so, you know, I'm just I'm just kind of spitballing here. But I want to go back to something that 
you said earlier, uh, just just a minute ago, about how nobody's talking about this. I, I disagree. I think a lot of people are talking about it, but it's not getting traction because it threatens the entire establishment of revenue generation for these companies. So you got the Center for Humane Technology, humanetech.org. They produce the documentary, um, The Social Dilemma. They have a great, great, great podcast called, um, uh, shoot, I just lost the name of it. But um, check out humanetech.org. It'll come to me in a minute. I've listened to a bunch of them. Um, the, we are talking about it. there's a there's a uh, a researcher who has a, a great TED talk called uh, her name's Catherine Booskill, B O U S K I L L. She's got a TED talk on how human development over our forty thousand years of you know being in our current form as Homo sapiens simply has been outstripped by the advancement of technology the last 25 to 50 years. We, our brains literally are not evolved enough to keep up with all the content being shoved into our noggins. Um, it's causing us stress. It's causing us anxiety because we can't balance the information. And then I'll bring it back to me. What I teach with my emotional functioning is that shame and guilt are very important emotions. We have 10 emotions. You can watch the emotion stuff on the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, the Zephyr, the Zephyr website of the Zephyr YouTube channel, but shame and guilt are critical to maintaining a community. Shame says you fail to meet somebody's expectations. If you fail to meet the expectations of your community, your tribe, if you will, guilt says go make it right because you don't want to get kicked out of the tribe because evolutionarily we will die without our tribe. Okay, so there's an evolutionary component in our brain that compels us to make right with our tribe. The problem is now that we're on social media, the quote unquote tribe is perceptively millions of people or thousands of people. It's like, you can't be in a tribe that big. We're not designed that way. We haven't evolved that way. It, we may never evolve that way, but if we do, it'll take another several hundred to thousand years to do so. And it's, and it's being dropped in front of our eyeballs as though we need to make right with all the tribe all the time, every day. It's like, that's not even your tribe. Those people don't care. They don't even know who you are. It's an anonymous avatar making fun of the posts that you just made and you are somehow compelled into believing that you need to go reconcile that with that person you don't even know and it's keeping you up at night that's not good and our children are experiencing this you're not supposed to be friends with the whole school you know the school may be 800 people it may be 2500 people 5000 in some cases for high schools and guess who's online the whole school but what did we do when we were kids growing up we had a tribe of you know 12 to 25 people and we we worried about their opinions so I, I, am, I am very concerned that not enough of this information is getting out and getting in the hands of parents, and the parents aren't digesting it because they're also distracted with their devices, and then they're not sitting down with their kids because their kids have devices in their hands, and we've lost the ability to be patient and intimate with each other so that we can be heard by our actual tribes, which is the nuclear family the people surrounding the nuclear family, you know, your, your teachers, your clergy, neighbors across the street. Um, because we're just so dazzled by Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. You know, and celebrity uh, gossip has gone on forever uh, because it's, 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 it's fascinating to us, right? It's, it's the pretty people with problems. They're not supposed to have problems. And that's a psychological prediction. That's another episode. But, but the idea is that we're now, everybody is famous on social media. Everybody is a celebrity on social media. Oh, they have thousands of followers. Like, yeah, they may have paid for them. They might even, not even know those people. But the, the appearance of celebrity now has replaced the necessary interaction within our homes. 
And, and that's really concerning. So I do think people are talking about it. I don't think it's getting traction because it's not, it, it doesn't sell for sure. We're, we're, we in my profession are reactionary. When somebody has a problem, they show up. We, we, and we literally are not paid to prevent illness. <laughs> Insurance companies in mental health will not cover preventative care. They do it for everything else, dentistry and optometry and primary care and pediatrics. I mean, like, but so we're reactionary. We're, we're acting when the problem lands in our doorstep. What if we can get in front of it? Well, then Facebook goes away. That's a multi-billion dollar company. They can't afford to have that. They can't afford to put Jake Wiskirchen or Catherine Booskill or uh, Jonathan Haidt or, uh, you know, the Humane Tech guys on a big giant platform. It might end them. There's no, there's no financial incentive there. So it's, it's not sinister. I think it's just market dynamics and corporate greed, honestly. And I think you made a good point about a key aspect of your presentation that you gave. You started with the shock and awe that kind of makes people perk up and listen. So many and that's people, intentional. It's a limbic function, interest. Yeah, so many people, when I say social media and personal finance should be in every high school and talk about these things, People get on, we know social media. What are you talking about? Yeah. 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 Except they don't. No, they don't. They don't know. Oh, They're... you have a new friend request. Oh, you accept that? Their person's now at the top of your feed. So be careful who you're accepting. All, all the different kind of inner workings of how the algorithm delivers you content that in return affects your kind of mood and your your thinking and probably your your livelihood in that kind of if you get stuck in the, the vicious circle of negativity or other stuff. So gun culture, <laughs> gun culture on social media, Mike, um, it's no secret that we've had some frustrations with our own community <laughs> for a variety of uh, reasons. Share a little bit about what you're seeing with the gun community on social media and then behind the scenes, what people are saying about this algorithm stuff and how it may or may not be affecting what, what we do and how we do it. I've always thought that on social media, like gun culture is a very toxic place. And the reason why I jumped to that conclusion is because when I would try to talk to people that may be interested in becoming part of the community, I remember I would, you know, I'd kind of assess them and say like, okay, I want them to go check out this person's profile, right? Whether that be Colleen Noir or Rob Pincus or something like that. And I remember a ton of times, right? It's all anecdotal, but like the person coming back to me and going, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. Like I was reading the comments. This is way too toxic in there. Right. So I felt like this is, it's a tough space for, for gun owners, especially ones that just want to enjoy firearms. Right. Because I, I think that everything becomes political in there. And you start getting all everybody's ideas on things that have nothing to do with gun culture and the community, right? Like you'll see attacks on liberals. Um, I don't know how you avoid that, right? Because a lot of a lot of the legislation comes from that side, but not all liberals, as we know, like the liberal gun club and liberal gun owners are anti-gun, right? But where's a spot for them to like come into comments and and talk to people or enjoy that, you know, when you're, you're getting trashed and that's how you identify. So I think it's a very toxic place. Um, and I don't see, you know, we had talked about this before the show happened. You never see the big companies getting involved. And I know probably why they can't, um, cause they have to stay neutral. 
Um, but I think that that's more of a safe space for people to go. Like when you go to like Ruger's website or you go to their Instagram page, right. And you see their new firearm, that's, that's less, that becomes less political. So you can kind of jump in there and that's, that's a more comfortable space, uh, to be in. But, you know, I just think of it as a negative, I mean, it's a gift and a curse, man. Like, you know, you want to send people into the culture and have them learn, but at the same time, you send them to places where you're just going to get really bad information or just angry people. And I mean, look what we go through, Jake and Kevin, right? you know, this, like every time we post something, we always end up having a discussion about how people are going to take this the wrong way. Um, when you have guns and mental health in the same phrase, there becomes a jump to conclusions, Matt, that we're for restriction and that always happens. So you have one guy who ruins the whole thing because he just like says it. And then that, you know, that comment becomes like the billboard for it. We know it's there. It bugs us. It works on our mental health that, you know, and then other people read it and that becomes an issue. So, um, Kevin, I mean, you, you, (laughs) as someone who didn't come in, you came into this through marketing and didn't come from the gun community and you've been learning you know, over the past year and a half or, you know, your thoughts on it are, are always fascinating to me because it gives me a different perspective. I mean, my view is, I think it's, it's normal. Look at what the news feeds are doing. There's highly controversial and dividing topics in the news and those comment wars in them are, are just the same as what happens when we make a post and it's mm-hmm. part to do with the algorithms. Cause what are they training people to do? Engage and comment. And that's going to show you more of the stuff that you're going to engage in comment. Now, the platforms have their issues with the algorithms delivering it. But people on my side of the world are also in charge of making clickbaity headlines that get people to engage in that way. So then your content delivers more to them and your reach, which is how many people you reach per post, increases as well. Um, so I think taking – it's not just a gun – Uh, culture problem in that sense. Um, But yeah, I think we're also trying to have a conversation and on a really kind of tough topic, like you said, guns and mental health um, on a kind of a short content format of Twitter's what, 280 characters or whatever it is now. And there's, there's not a lot of room to have a conversation. It's name calling at short form, just kind of interactions back and forth. It's not really a great platform to have the conversations we're trying to have, um, and it is challenging. We we try to boost uh, the content to get more distribution of conversations like this and really good content to get out to people, but people are just reacting initially what they think it might be instead of taking the time to actually see what it actually is. And then, yeah, Jake's right. Those one or two comments that stick with us are so negative and we try to avoid it, but you just got to got to keep going. I, I think the gun community, from my perspective, needs a hell of a lot better job of marketing and kind of coming out with their side of the things of from their view instead of always being on the defense of, no, not this. And then you have the people that just see the uh, pry up from my cold dead arms kind of crowd, and then that's what they associate gun owners with. And okay, that's a percentage of the population, but that's not an accurate representation of all gun owners. It, it's tough because you, whenever you take a stand for something, you're going to incur blowback by people who 
can't articulate their own position and be comfortable with it, so they have to bully others into destroying that, right? So that's that's bullying one on one. When a when a when a kid doesn't feel good about himself, he's going to tear down somebody else instead of building himself up. We see this in adults. We see it in ideologies. We see it in politics. We see it in religions. Um, so I, I I think I have the answer, um, or at least an answer, but it requires self exploration which we know not everybody's going to do and it requires humility but mostly it requires patience and to and an ability to stave off the desire for instant gratification so over my twitter experience i haven't been perfect at it but what i've learned to do is operate from my forward brain my my limbic uh sorry my logic brain and not let limbic drive and as you know, if I if I believe what's coming out of my mouth when I teach this emotional functioning stuff, I should probably practice what I preach. So I recognize my emotion when somebody says some dumb thing in response to a comment that I post. That's you know, it's very very usually they're very centrist, very neutral, or they provoke thought. Um, and people don't necessarily like that because they've got their own ideology staked out, right? Okay, so let's say I say something, somebody says some dumb thing, and I go. <laughs> Yeah, there's the limbic response, right? Whatever it is, the the, the snark, the condescension, the 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 anger, the the whatever it is. I go, all right. What am I feeling, and why am I feeling it? How best can I respond? And I remember my training, uh, in large part due to Christian Conti, loving kindness. Lead with loving kindness. Teach someone something, and also remember that you're not writing to that person. You're almost never writing that person because if that person's going to say something that in an attacking way in a comment section, they're not interested in changing their mind. But I am writing to all the other eyeballs who are watching the engagement. So I act out of my frontal lobe and I say something intelligent in response. Set a good boundary. Reestablish my own position. Engage one or two times most. Uh, Kevin Dixie taught me that. <laughs> and then be done with it. And they can keep going on and ranting and quote tweeting and tagging people. And it's like, I'm still not going to engage you. I also don't. I think I've muted one conversation my whole time on Twitter. I don't block anyone, which is very rare. I know we suggest blocking and muting. That's fine. But for me, if I'm going to practice what I preach, which is openness, transparency, engagement, and, oh, by the way, that people can, the belief that people can change, right? I don't ever want to shut anybody out. I always want to leave a, a door uh, for them to come back around if they do change their mind. I don't want to just block people. Um, because I believe it's incumbent upon me to be able to tolerate their nastiness or their rancor or whatever it is with a, with a modicum of, of peace and tranquility that I expect from others. So I just, I just walk away. And it's worked. It's worked really, really well. However, I'm also open to learning because I know I don't know everything. So even though that person may say something nasty... They may have something nasty to say behind it that they just can't articulate in a polite way. So I'm also paying attention to that. Now, I believe that if we all started doing a little bit more of this, we act from our, from our logic zones, we act from our, our frontal lobe, but recognize the limbic that's been triggered. Don't take it personally. Set good boundaries and say, that's not appropriate, but I will still continue to engage you because I'm not engaging you. I'm engaging other people and I want to improve my reputation. I think we can move conversation forward. The problem is it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't feed the, the clickbait. It's not, it's not headlinable if I'm being reasonable. And that triggers, that doesn't trigger the limbic system, which then drives ads and clicks. I'm going to push back a little, not sure. because you're wrong, but 
because you're a trained professional literally teaching emotional functioning totally, totally. and not everybody's on that page i'm just saying it's possible it no right. but it, it absolutely is possible and everybody can improve in that way uh i don't use blocking to the extent that some people in uh i know marketing twitter use it and with have hundreds of people blocked i have maybe seven 14 people blocked mostly yeah, spam just trolls that yeah. just are coming uh at you for no good i use muting a lot of just topics that i want to shelter out of politics sports um so i have two pr twitter profiles to separate my interest of one is professional marketing kind of learning that and then i have my normal profile that's a lot of sports um, but on my professional one, politics, sports, all those terms are muted just so I'm kind of creating the feed that I want and it's helping me create that feed. So muting will craft a feed too then, huh? Muting just takes that word, whatever. So if I'm muting baseball, any tweet oh, with baseball. Oh, I didn't baseball, know you could do that. Yeah. I thought you could just mute conversations and mute accounts. I didn't know you could mute phrases. You can mute, yes. Hmm. Phrases, well, keywords, cool. hashtags. That's how I mainly use it of this is what I want my feed to be. I don't want this anywhere near it. Oh, that's cool. I got to look into that. So, so, yeah. So, yeah, that comes with a danger, too. You create your own echo chamber, right? It does. Yeah, that's why I have multiple, the other profile to get out of that and also right. helps me create. But you're aware of it. Yes. And you're a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can invite people to be aware of why they do what they do, which is my favorite word, which is intentionality, know why you do what you do, then you can purposely craft your own echo chamber like, you know, when I want to learn about Jesus, I go to church, <laughs> but then I leave church. I don't stay there and live there. And that's all I know. Right. Um, if I want to learn therapy, I come to the office. So th that makes sense. And it, it also helps me create kind of a better work life balance of, mm. I have my phone that I can probably do 50, 75% of my job anywhere at all times. And that's a blessing and a curse. So it helps me kind of be like, all right, this is my work profile. Oh, I was just on vacation last week. I failed. I checked stuff. I mm -hmm. succumbed to, oh, I can get that done in two minutes. Not the best, but it also helped me. Oh, I have my other profile that's just personal interest to try to create that that barrier there. That's really good. I, I think I need to entertain that because there's so many times I'm in the kitchen after hours scrolling things that are interests, but then I get drawn by other interests that I don't want to be involved in at that particular hour. Like I might be looking up, you know, who the Giants are playing and checking out whether or not my fantasy lineup is, you know, in play, but then a notification pops up from something I'm not in. I don't want to be talking about politics at that time. I don't want to be seeing news of the, you know, pandemic or whatever. Um, that's a great idea to just to separate things out. And then I'm in control, right? Rather than it controlling me. Exactly. Take control of what you want social media to be. Social media platforms are always going to tempt you with the junk food. Yeah. But, all right, we're blocking cheeseburgers, we're muting all the yeah. junk food, and we're actively engaging, not because we really love that scenery of a uh, lake mountain picture, but I want to see more of that, so I'm going to knowingly like that so more of it comes up on the feed. No, uh, Your Undivided Attention is the name of the podcast, by the way, from... Center for Humane Technology. I know it come back. Your undivided attention. It's outstanding. It's exceptional. It's everything that the movie uh, was based on, but in like, you know, longer form, hour, hour and a half. So the movie itself was like an hour and a half or something. But now imagine, you know, 40 podcasts of an hour and a half. That's the content of the movie. You want to get deeper into it. Listen to those podcasts. Is that the social dilemma? Yep. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a great place to start and learn about what's actually going on. I wish they would have brought maybe a little bit more of here's the light at the end end of the tunnel, um, not so um, into the, well, the darkness. Well, you know, I think the light at the end of the tunnel has to be the individual. Absolutely. Um, it, it, we can't rely on it changing, whatever it is, right? It's it's us taking charge of our own lives and saying, yeah. I don't need this anymore. I need my tribe to be a couple dozen, not a couple thousand. Yeah, and I mean, good. I don't know what Android has. They probably have something. But uh, screen time, limiting your time on apps yeah. um, can certainly help. I have mine as a social media professional for like 15 minutes. I knowingly have to approve myself to get more time. So it stops the just endless scrolling of whatever, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it may be. Um, circling it back to the gun culture a little bit, I know we wanted to talk on this. There are some legitimate gripes of, for example, Walk the Talk America did the advanced training course um, where mental health professionals got to shoot a variety of firearms. Um, we wanted to broadcast that to our audience and potential people that would find that content enjoyable. And we used both Facebook and Instagram forget which one the Facebook ad got rejected okay what got rejected in it I go to the Instagram my best guess is it's targeting keywords of all the firearms that we mentioned let's see if I can delete all of those Instagram got approved so it's centering based off keywords I also have a casino client if we're trying to promote a jackpot don't use jackpot or the money in the description of the post because that's going to get shut down because Facebook doesn't want to be a part of the gaming gambling industry. It's amazing what these companies are doing with, with regard to their um, sanctimony, right? The moral superior, the self-appointed moral superiority over what they believe people should be ingesting because they have zero, zero, zero problem with pornography <laughs> on Twitter, for example. You find all the porn you want on Twitter, but you better not talk about COVID vaccine debates. It's like, uh, who's making that decision and why? And I don't think there's a nefarious but bag of money behind it. I think it's just individuals individually designing things and making decisions at board meetings that say, this is okay, this is not okay. And I don't know why or how, maybe it's political, maybe it's personal, I have no idea. But, you know, it, you talk about gambling is legal in all 50 states now, like in some form or another, whether it's the lottery or it's sports betting or it's actual brick and mortar casinos with little spinny machines and dazzling, you know, progressive lights. And yet our major social media platforms are shutting down promotion of that. Like, where do they get off? <laughs> like, where do you get off? The right to own a gun and defend oneself as one sees fit is immutable across all time. Governments try to pre prevent that from happening, which makes our government so different. It's like, oh, we're actually going to be a government that preserves rights, not restricts them. And yet you got companies who are like, nope, we disagree. <laughs> like, what? That's like that's like disagreeing with, I don't know, uh, Coumadin. <laughs> we, we just don't think people should be thinning their bloods. <laughs> it's like, What? Yeah, I think that'll be the next conversation of the generation of censorship versus misinformation and all of that. Um, I, I can well, see we have where... a ministry of truth now. <laughs> not, not to dive into that rabbit hole. No. Uh, but going back to it, 
I could see Facebook with all the legal and not wanting, oh, if we're responsible and tied to a gun sale that maybe does something, that could make them nervous. Maybe they're not educated or something like that. I could see a, a positive kind of good intentions route to where they started. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't because they don't do that with anything else. They don't do that don't with, do with cars. Yeah, I was about to say. They don't, they don't do it with medical professionals, which kill more people by accident than any, anything else in America. Medical accidents are the number one preventable killer. Like, you know, we can debate preventable, but they're not, they're not, they're not suppressing doctors <laughs> opining on the next treatment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's where gun culture has a weakness is yeah. they, they're very in their own echo chamber and it's kind of like entering, uh, I don't even know, not Fight Club. Fight Club's a bad example. But once you get into the gun culture, then the veil is kind of, uh, you understand it more. But from outside, holy cow, yeah, does it look scary? And yep. it, it, it's intimidating. And how, how can't you agree with those things knowing nothing about the... Well, they've, they've given over the narrative to the to the people with the bullhorns. Exactly. don't align with the gun culture's principles. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's their own fault. And that's what Mike and I battle regularly with, like, trying to get support for WTTA. We're like, hey, manufacturer X of big giant product that everybody knows. Isn't this a good idea? Wouldn't you like to put our free anonymous mental health screening on your box? And they're like, yeah, I don't know, man. If we start to acknowledge there's a problem, then people could blame us for it. And you're like, are you they already me? are. Yeah. <laughs> they already are. Why, why are you handing the microphone over so willingly? We're giving you an opportunity to take the mic back. Kanye <laughs> and and you're rejecting it you're rejecting that over like it's nonsensical to me so quote unquote both sides are doing it like one is afraid to engage to learn more because it might have its mind changed and the other's afraid to engage to learn more because it might have its mind changed yeah it's a it's a dilemma in itself I know walk the talks gotten into some just conversations where people don't agree where we just um, the screening data we don't get specific demographics or we get wide demographics but we don't have tracking to individual or anything like that and we just put out a statistic of how many people tested what's the correct verbiage tested screened screened for um above uh what, what are the the rankings uh, severe severe and extreme moderate to severe or something yeah moderate moderate to extreme so there's four levels i think um of mild moderate severe and extreme and moderate to extreme was 69% of screeners. 69% of screeners uh, got a result of moderate to extreme anxiety of those who came through our website. And we could loosely say that the people come to our website are probably gun owners. So, you know, we could loosely draw a conclusion that says 69% of gun owners probably have some level of uncomfortable anxiety. Yeah, everybody goes to the, the defense of how it could be used negatively, but compared to the average population non-gun owner, I don't think that statistic would be drastically different. It it should be a positive that, hey, gun owners were interested in taking this test at all and right. not twisted into some negative agenda because it probably wouldn't hold up when you look at, oh, maybe 72% of the average non-gun owner would test positive. That's not a big demonizing statistic yeah and, and and our whole point is to make people aware of their struggles so that they go get help it doesn't help when captain gun guy in his 
you know battle dress uniform and his uh you know chest rig is spouting some stupid stuff on social media saying you're you're telling people that uh they're gonna have their guns taken away because they're mentally ill and you just advertise the gun owners are mentally ill and this is stupid and you should go away it's like yeah way to like double down on the narrative that already exists bro like yeah captain captain gun guy is the same guy too that something needs to be done about suicides in the in the military you know like it it, (laughs) it's that's what i can't stand about social media is that people will shoot down these things they just offer problems they don't offer any solutions to it so they don't say like hey we don't like what you're doing this is what we think should be done it's just do nothing but let's just complain about and i think that you know i guess my thing with Walk Talk America, the way I look at it is we took the tough road, right? The easy road would have been just to kind of beat the drum, say the buzzwords that everybody wants to hear, right? From a cold dead hands, whatever, you know, and it just becomes a a bigger challenge for us to get people to listen. When we get the people to listen, though, it's it's really cool, right? Because they, they get it and they see it, but just those loud... I mean, look at the issue we had with the gun collective, right? What they did to us when we yeah. went to go speak in San Jose State. We've addressed this before on the shows. But, um, you know, they kind of just threw something out there to get people talking. And then we got bombed on. They didn't realize that we were going to take the time to address every comment individually, <laughs> which gave us an opportunity. But what if we didn't have time to do that? What if we didn't have, you don't have the energy to do that? You know, that's a lot of misinformation. So... Well, you know, and circle it back to this is this is a form of bullying 101. Instead of building something up, you tear the other thing down. And why do people do that? Well, fundamentally, it's insecurity. Um, and where does insecurity come from? Lack of connectivity. If you don't connect with other people, if you don't have intimate, warm, welcoming relationships with other human beings, then you don't know who you are. All you know is what you're against. And so you tear it, you tear down. You deconstruct, you destroy, you don't create and build up and edify. So what's the, what's the, what, how do you combat this? Unplug from the broad giant perception of community being all people and hone back in on what really matters. Get back to your families, focus in on your friends, take care for your, your coworkers and your employees and, and really recenter, like delay gratification um, turn turn off stimulus for a while, and and be at peace, right? Then you then there's then you see some something you don't agree with, and you don't have to go reflexively opposing it out of emotionality. You can take the time to go back to your tribe and go, hey guys, I just saw this thing. What do you think? And then they might give you some information that says, well, I got to reconsider this. Chances are really strong that you know. Captain Loudmouth on whatever side of the the issue of whatever the issue is doesn't do that. They don't first go check with people in their own tribe because they have conditioned themselves not to. And the dopamine hits that they get from all the likes and the retweets and the and the reposts and the quotes is satisfying neurologically their desire to fit in. The problem is they're not fitting in with the people who are retweeting and, and liking the thing because they don't know them. You got 260,000 followers. Great. Congratulations. How many of them do you know? That's a huge problem with social media. The The winner of the argument perceptionally isn't the one that often had the best ideas and no. presented their case the best. It's how many of their followers or got on and supported them. 
right. doesn't mean they were right. It just, but that's how they people take it. Of oh, well, I got fifty likes. Your comment only got five, so my comment was better. No, we, you have a bigger audience. Which is why it's super, super, super important that when you get dragged into those things and somebody unleashes their hounds on you, you don't reflexively act again out of in response to their emotional attack, right? With your with one of your own. Um, if you Christian Conti has this thing called "Be the Couch," so if you if you picture, we've all played sports. <laughs> Hold a picture holding a ball in your hand. It's a rubber ball. Doesn't matter what it is. Lacrosse ball, racquetball, tennis ball. It's a rubber ball. Now you're standing in front of a brick wall, some, I don't know, 40 feet away, and you chuck the ball at that wall. What's going to happen? Non rhetorical question requiring response, Kevin. <laughs> it's coming back. Probably with the same energy with which you delivered it, right? Okay. Think of that ball as your emotional energy or. Just someone's emotional energy. When we throw that, the the temptation is to send it right back with the same energy with which it was delivered. Anger. Boom. My anger. Shame. Boom. I'll shame you. Right? Same thing. Okay. Now imagine being a couch. You take that same ball and you throw it 40 feet across the room at a couch. What happens? Should we try it? We can. <laughs> I mean, my room's about 40 feet. It's going to deaden a little. Yeah. And then what, what happens if you want to go back and pick it up and, and like throw it again. You have to walk all the way across the room, retreat back, fire it one more time. It's way more exhausting. But if you're just ping, 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 throwing emotional energy back and forth at each other, you're not, you're not solving any problem. All you're doing is limbic, 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 limbic. But if you can be the couch and have confidence that you can take somebody's emotional firing, if you will, and go, well, I see that you're angry. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm going to absorb that because I can, I can tolerate this. And if you want it, you're going to have to reload. And then they do it again, and you do it again. Like, just be the couch. The argument ends. It has nowhere to go because you're not feeding into it with your own, own reflexive emotional energy. Do that on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. And you, you stick with logic. Stick with your point. Give it two, two replies, no more. And then everybody watching goes, that was different. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I... I interviewed a, uh, I have a small marketing podcast where I just interview fellow marketing people about their thoughts, professions, and learn from them. And a great piece of advice was assume uh, positive intent. Every time we're, yeah. we're up there with the yeah. wall bracing and expecting and assuming negative intent or yeah. uh, kind of a, and not to say that's I mean, 100%. I they come out and call you a fuckstick. No, there, there's trolls. <laughs> this, this isn't a blanket Which statement. Which happened to me yesterday. <laughs> this isn't a blanket statement as there's trolls. And yes, there are all a lot of people who absolutely have negative intent, intent, uh, intent and you can see that. But first, try to assume they're coming at it with a positive statement yeah. as one huge flaw of social media is we're getting text communication. We don't get to gather tone. We don't get body language. We can assume wrong and just interpret it and come back defensively when that wasn't needed at all. So tweak it and try assuming that they're coming at you with positive intent. Is that possible? Okay, no, it's a troll? All right. Yeah. Your, your area Yeah, works. and you'll know within two or three exchanges exactly uh, which is why i think kd's point about two exchanges no more is, is warranted now he doesn't limit himself to that he does go longer if there's an actual discussion happening which is you know it bears merit um the, i'm seeing now it's like genuine question 
<laughs> and people lead with this, like, I'm actually asking, I'm genuinely asking, genuinely curious. It's like, man, we've gotten so bad at presuming malintent that we now have to lead with a statement that says, I'm not here to troll. It's crazy. And, and then, of course, people have taken that and twisted it to into sarcasm. And, and people like myself are using engagement baiting, so they're asking a question. They don't give a shit about your response. They just want your engagement yeah. to yeah. boost their reach. So right. I'm genuinely curious having a conversation as a way to say, hey, I'm not some Facebook post that's asking you what's 2 plus 2 and comment for a chance for $100. Everybody knows that, and they're getting trained to engage and comment. Yeah, It's hey, I'm actually open to a conversation. I sniffed that out recently with a couple of accounts that I uh, follow, and I was like, oh, that's what you're We about. ran into it the other day with that guy yeah, that yeah, was genuinely totally. asking a question, and you tagged me in to answer the question, and he was trying to sell us his book. Yep. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, I've been guilty of that, though, too. Like, I'll see posts on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, check out Walk to South America, or, like, I just use that <laughs> one thing because... Yeah, I look at it as like they're debating legislation and I'm like, okay, here's an alternative to that. Like there's some solutions out there, you know what I mean? But I don't really mean it in a malicious way. I just I want them to go check it out. But Yeah, but you're you're providing value there. That the instances we're talking about where they had a question, they didn't even respond of like, Oh, that's a good point. Nothing. It's here's my book, buy it. Yeah, your um a thread on blah, blah, blah. It's like, wow, that's really thought provoking. That's really, and then like silence. It's like, all you wanted was traction. Yeah. I, come on, man. That's, that's disingenuous. It was a good thread. I wanted to ping with you on that. Yeah. I've, I've figured that out on a couple people. They're just, they're just there for themselves and their thoughts are great. I'll read them, but I'm, I'm going to stop engaging now. Cause it's like, well, I wanted it. I wanted a dialogue, yeah. but you're, you're clearly, you're interested in just communicating one way. This platform's not for a seminar. Yeah. And I mean, the platform's definitely created that monster, but then we're using it to feed and please the algorithm monster by doing those low quality engagement baiting, clickbait, all of those techniques. I, you know, I will say though, that there is, there is a good uh, output from the, the rational, reasonable, logical, analytical group people i think people are burned out honestly like we're getting to the point where you still got you know picture your dis, you know, standard distribution curve like the people three standard deviations away from the mean on either side of any issue are still going to be there um i think for a while that that end swelled it was maybe i don't know 2016 ish to 2021 ish it really swelled. The, the the tail swelled and the middle shrunk. And in the last year to 18 months, the middle has grown probably larger than it ever has because people are burned out. And the way that I think they're burned out is they're burned out limbically. There's just, we can't, we can't stay in a state of heightened awareness or um, hypersensitivity or hypervigilance for a long period of time because the, the energy that it takes from the brain and from the body to maintain that level of, of vigilance is, um, is not sustainable. That's why, that's why people work in shifts. You know what I mean? Like you have to go home and rest. But if every time you jump on, it's like screaming, 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 fighting, screaming, look here, look here, death, destruction, fear. Um, you just eventually go, somebody somewhere has to be in the middle on this, right? Cause I think I've been pushed away from the middle and now I want to go back to the middle 
and that's where uh, like this this loosely formed group called Team Reality is coming in on, on Twitter. Is they're like from all over the political spectra, and they agree that logic and conversation and civility need to reign. That's basically the fundamental truth. A lot of disaffected liberals, a lot of conservatives who have realized that they don't want to be dragged in or affiliated with QAnon, um, a lot of a lot of religious and atheistic people who are just like, look, we just respect each other. We don't need to fight over this. And and I think they're kind of coming to the, the terms with the idea that they were pushed into fighting each other from the war of twenty six, the social media war of twenty sixteen, when we had all the Russian bots like purposely like pushing people wherever they were going, um, and then the American bots that were doing the same thing. Uh, and, and we're just worn out and we want to be in the middle now and we want to make middle decisions. Well, and it, it makes sense of how we've talked about how social media is built. The two extremes are going to comment and continue to have the comment wars. The middle, if it was a bar and you walked in and people were fighting, you'd leave the bar. Right. The middle isn't participating in most of the conversations on Twitter. They may be, they may be even social. saying, hey, guys, 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 stop fighting, right? And, and the fight continues, and they're like, ah, screw you for infringing on my ability to, or my autonomy to fight. And you're like, but it's illegal. <laughs> and so there's that going on, too, where the middle's being accused of, like, doing the right thing, and it's somehow bad, which is weird, but it's happening. Um, Social media is drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. You're, you're coming thirsty, and you're like, oh, I'd like to consume a little bit of that. Oh, <laughs> But like no. when Mike sends these people to the gun community, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just looking to get a personal defense weapon. Here, here's Coley Noir's page. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I talk about this all the time. One of the funny things that Colin's amosexual. Yeah. You're like, I just wanted a PDF. No, but one time I remember Collins or Coley Noir was taking a beating over something that the NRA wasn't speaking out about, and. Uh, we were texting each other and he goes, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a poem up on social media on uh, that. I like that has nothing to do with guns. And he goes, watch how quickly this spirals out of control. It's like Walt Whitman or something. Yeah, he put up some, some like poem or lyrics that he liked and literally took two seconds in the, in the comments for people to be like, <laughs> and it's like, I had nothing to do. He was just doing an experiment. He's like, I want to show you like how difficult this is. Um, you know, you, ha you have to have thick skin if you're going to put yourself out there like that, you know, because then you have your other people like Rob Pincus that they don't care. Like, they'll just throw something out there and it, it's like, say whatever you want in the comments, like, <laughs> you know, and, and how can, how could you be, how could you be talking about poetry at a time like this? <laughs> <laughs> they just related it to gun stuff. It was just great. I mean, look at the other day, uh, Jake, when, when we got involved in the the Twitter feed where the instructor from the CCW instructor from Vegas had had some oh, inappropriate God. jokes um, at his class. And we were literally arguing with him. And we were also arguing with people that were on our side. <laughs> it's like, you know, we we're like, Hey, we're on your side. We're saying it is inappropriate. It, it shouldn't happen. You know, he needs to take the L and move on, but it's like, we're getting it from everybody. You know, it, it was, you know, crazy. That's the stuff that makes you turn you off on it. And you're just like, oh, I can't go there anymore. But I'm glad we did that because what he did was despicable and it was indefensible. Like, I don't care what race or skin color you think you are or maybe, or maybe your crowd thinks you need to be, but 
you don't ever do that and it doesn't belong in a concealed carry permit course it just doesn't like there are if you want to address stereotypes and impulsive responses that where it's not appropriate to draw your firearm because you think the wrong thing about somebody based on their appearance you don't need a stereotypical slide that jokes about stereotypes you can say hey these things exist um be aware of them in your own psyche but if you're teaching 400 people like he's bragging about you don't have time to go down the list of all the stereotypes anyway Right. So like unless you want to hire somebody like me to come in and teach the unconscious bias portion of your course, don't 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 go there. Just stick to how to handle your gun. And and they, he could he couldn't get it because he's a yeah. you know, self-appointed. And that we were policing our own. We were telling him that yeah. and saying these are the type of things that are going to be used against us in the media. And then we had people that were agreed with us that were arguing with us that. They, it, it is what it is. And it's like, no, uh, we even saw examples of it. Like the media picked up on the story and they yep. cut little pieces that would make people yep. react. And, uh, you know, yep. we're sitting there arguing. They didn't tell the yeah, whole story. We're sitting there arguing with people that we agree with. You know, just it, it was a rabbit hole for sure. Well, I'm going to assume positive intent and say that. This strategy wasn't what he was going after, but a new strategy in the media and marketing is any engagement that is positive. Even if it's very negative, you're still getting a ton of views of your brand, your person, whether it's personal brand, corporate brand, you're still getting your name out there. Even if a lot of people are saying something negative about you, you're going to reach people that... Yeah, but but my pushback on that philosophy, and you, you're not a stranger to this, and I know you don't agree with that philosophy. You just you're just saying that it's out there, is that that's for people who are driven by ego, and only want exposure, and or that is malintent, because you're you're throwing your integrity out the window for the sake of exposure. I don't want to do that. I'd rather do the slow. And I've said this since we formed Zephyr Wellness. I'm, my eyeballs are on twenty years, not two. I could have I could have grown this thing very very rapidly in a very short period of time, but we would have had to cut a lot of corners, and maybe walk in some gray areas ethically, and possibly legally. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the slow, steady route, and I'm going to do it very deliberately, and I'm going to take the sacrifice, you know, the sacrificial hit financially, and that creates sustainability. That creates an anchored principle walk the talks doing it too we're not it would be so easy for us just to waltz into the middle of anywhere and be like you know what we do (laughs) guns and mental health let me tell you how that is good for you and we can make it slick and flashy and people throw money at us i guarantee it would happen but without an infrastructure without a foundation without going through the wrestling match that you know mike and i and rob principally have had over the last three years of our getting down to our real core principles, we would have fizzled out. And I see this in the mental health world with all these startup companies getting gazillions of dollars of seed money from venture capitalists or from grants from the government. And they, they open up their doors and they, they look flashy and fancy and they promise the moon and they don't deliver. They, they always burn out. It preceded this era of, you know, pandemic response, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, I watched it happen. The, 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 the places that promise to be all things to all people always, always, always fold. Always. You have to start small. You, and again, I'll go back to instant gratification. Everybody looks at the long-established company 
whatever you just imagined is a long established company of high success and they go i want that next week it's like you you can't be coca-cola next week you can't it just you it's too much coca-cola started very 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 small so did 7-eleven so did you know so did burger king and mcdonald's and like these large international corporations they all started very very small and nobody wants to do it anymore it's not it's not pleasing it's not satisfying it doesn't satisfy the limbic brain yeah no i'm I'm, unfortunately we are seeing that malintent strategy uh come back in i mean we saw was it PBR with that tweet that got oh, out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, dude, you're Paps. You've been around forever. You don't need to do that. Yeah. That was. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> are we allowed to <laughs> say it? Uh, wasn't it like this tweet if you like eating ass? Yeah, pa- yeah Paps Blue Ribbon was uh, something like, it had something to do with, um, something to do with anal cunnilingus or something. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but. It was, it was funny, but it was absolutely despicable. Paps was drunk tweeting. At, at the same time. Paps was drunk tweeting. Paps was drunk tweeting. Oh, man, and they got, oh, they got eaten alive. Not drinking this January, question mark. Try eating ass. There it is. Yeah, it was, dry, it was about dry January. Yeah. It's like, wow. But man. is that an example of what I Kevin mean, was talking about? Like. Uh, any yes. attention yeah. like hey no they're gonna get yeah. picked up in the media you know exactly and that's why i was not pushing back on jake because there's a lot of brands that are trained that aren't built but now we're mm-hmm. seeing big brands that are built yep. utilizing that strategy just for the reach and everybody going wants to be wendy's any attention is positive in the end which i don't think's right in the good path but we're seeing big brands do it and then yeah it does have the trickle down well paps did it so let's try something similar and it's not not a good route i mean it's interesting where this is going to evolve but we mentioned drinking from a fire hose but that fire hose isn't just water that's almost like beer yeah it's (laughs) it's it's an addicting thing that wants you to consume more yeah that's yeah, what is coming out of that hose? MDMA or something? Or... <laughs> I was going to go with whiskey, but that, that yeah. wouldn't work out too well. It, oh. It's... Ooh, whiskey hose. No, it would be. That's like, that's like when they're uh, down in Mexico on spring break and they're uh, blowing the whistle <laughs> and shooting the plastic ball of tequila down your throat. If one is good, four must be four times as good. No, no. Uh, well, all right. So in, in, uh, in summation, I guess, uh, you know, uh, blow up your phone. No, this <laughs> be mindful of social media. You know, try to try to try to dial back the stimulus, and you know, know why you do what you do, and be patient. You know, avoid instant gratification. That's that's my exhortation to the audience. Yeah, take a step back um, and plan what you want your social media feed to be, and then actively engage in that content. Or if it's too whatever addicting and tempta- tempting to you, remove yourself from it. If you had a problem with alcohol or another addictive substance, substance, you try to remove yourself from it. That's a good point. You know, we don't have you know social media anonymous. Uh, maybe somebody should create a specific twelve step for that. You know, um, a lot. And I say that because you can connect with more people in a big group than you can in individual psychotherapy. And, you know, I sound like a heretic every time I say, stay out of my office, stay out of my agency, don't come through my door, fix this problem on your own. But honestly, like the business isn't shrinking and and that bothers me. I want to live in a healthy community. So, you know, go, go, 
go find some way to disconnect. But if you need if you need help with this this addiction, I mean, if professional if, if you can't unplug yourself, you got to face facts. You're addicted, you know. So come in and get professional psychotherapy if that's what it takes. Um, it is a it, it can be a process addiction. There's two kinds, right? There's 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 substance and then there's process. Substance is the chemicals we ingest that to which we become addicted, and that could be anything from methamphetamine to chocolate. And then the other is process, which involves you know things like behaviors that create the same neurological or a very similar neurological uh, reward pathway, which could be everything from gambling and pornography to social media and softball. Uh, if you if you can't if you can't pull away in a healthy way, you might be addicted. Um, process addictions would be an interesting podcast too. But anyway, um, we've gone on long enough, I think. Now, Mike, you want to ask Kevin your question? You know this is coming. Yeah. I hope you prepared. <laughs> I didn't prepare. I, I I I guess I was thought I was maybe immune to this question. No, no, or no, no, no. I I remember the question. I'm good. <laughs> Kevin, how do you attend your mental health? Besides, stay off social media. <laughs> <laughs> hey, marketing guy, stay off social media. Uh, yeah, I think it's just getting outside, being making time for exercise, um, realizing what recharges my batteries after a long, stressful week. Um, I enjoy also video games, um, just kind of shutting the mind off, something that I know and enjoy. Baseball used to be uh, one of these things, but uh, my bicep and arm no longer allows me to do it. But yeah, getting getting out, getting exercise, and making time for stuff that recharges me after my batteries get drained. Yeah, good answer. Good analogy, too, about the recharging the batteries. Well, uh, thanks. This has been enlightening. I hope it was good for our audience. If it was, please subscribe, you know, share around, give us a rating and a review. They say that helps. Spread the spread the word, spread the gospel, the good news uh, of guns and mental health. On behalf of our title sponsor, Arms Corps, we love you, Arms Corps. Thank you for being the leader in this and being the first to print our mental health screens on your uh, product boxes. That's a huge help. And on behalf of my Zephyr Wellness family here in Northern Nevada, Thank you, and we wish you all great mental wellness. Bye-bye. You're, you're getting trashed, and that's how you identify.